much for being here today. And you guys are in for a special treat. Uh, my good friend Matt Loveland is here. I first met Matt through Justin, and you're like, who's Justin? We don't know Justin. Justin's been watching our live because he had a baby during quarantine. Justin's one of the leaders here at Horizon. And uh, this is his brother. And so I first met Matt that way, and then we started hanging out, and we did some small groups together. We talked about leadership together for over a year, and I really come to love his heart and the way that he loves Jesus and how he, um, what he really believes about what the best the church can be in North America. And so I've had him in a few times in the past, and I was just telling him, like, we didn't have you as a guest very much uh, this year, in fact, at all, because, you know, we were in quarantine. And so I'm glad that we could get you back. You actually spoke last, last December. And so one year later, you're able to speak to him. So thank you so much for being here, Matt. Um, I'm going to pray for Matt, and then let's hear what God has to say to him. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for my friend, Matt. Lord, thank you for the journey that you've taken him and his family on from the Midwest Philly. Lord, thank you how you use him in ministry, Lord. Thank you how you've laid upon his heart these deep convictions about what it means to live and love like Jesus. Lord, I pray that you'll speak through him today, that your Holy Spirit will empower him, that we'll be moved not by his words or his eloquence, but by you meeting with us here. That we're a people in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of a turmoil in our country and world, and we we need you to show up and show your presence to us. And so, Lord Jesus, we invite you to come and meet with us today. Be near us, be with us, and encourage us. Lord, may we look to the new year with hope. And Lord, I pray that today's message encourages us and inspires us. We pray all these things like we believe you would pray to us. Come on up, Matt. Thanks for having me. Like Alex said, it's been it's been a year. I think almost not quite to the day, but pretty close. I'm pretty sure. So, um, anyways, thanks for having me. Uh, like Alex said, my name is Matt. Um, I'm originally from Missouri. Uh, anybody knows where Missouri is? It's a long ways from here. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I grew up in Missouri. Lived there pretty much my whole life until the last few years. We moved to Philly a little over two years ago, and. Um, there's a big difference between the Midwest and the East Coast, specifically the Northeast. And, um, but it's a lot of fun. We love it here. Uh, wife had a really good opportunity, so we could not pass it up. Um, my family still lives in Missouri, um, and we, you know, we don't get to see them, but thankfully, we got some family close uh, around here. And obviously, you know, Alex and Darby have welcomed us into their family as well, so that's been really awesome. So, anyways, uh, what brings me here today is. Alex asked me, hey, you want to do a message for, you know, do whatever you want, Advent, whatever. I was like, okay. And um, I thought, you know, Advent, usually we talk about the birth of Jesus, the, the coming of Jesus, all that stuff. And I was like, you know what? One of my favorite characters is John the Baptist. The dude's crazy, right? <laughs> I don't know if you guys know anything about John the Baptist, but John the Baptist had a, had a, similar, had a similar coming of age in terms of like expectancy as Jesus. Obviously, Jesus was the Messiah. He was promising to be the Messiah from birth, before birth. But John the Baptist was first. 
he, was, he, came, he came here first. Um, in fact, I want to give you a quick little background about John's life real quickly. Um, essentially, his parents were really old. Um, his dad was a priest. Uh, both of his parents were in the line of, of Aaron, which would have been Moses' brother, so he would have been the priestly line that we learn about in the Old Testament. And so, Zechariah was his father, and he got to be to go to the temple for, uh, for the, uh, the festivities. And so, he got to be the guy that went inside and, and did some of the sacrifices, and then all of a sudden, there's some angel just sitting in there like, hey, what's up? And he tells him, hey, I know you're old, but you're going to have a child. Your wife has been married. You guys have never had a child, but you're going to have a child in your old age. Zechariah said, uh, what? How? And so Gabriel, the, the, the angel, says essentially, well, you're going to be you're going to be mute. You're not going to be able to talk until the birth of this child. If you didn't believe me, you have an angel to cry out loud. You should know. If I come, I'm saying something, and you should believe me. <laughs> but anyway, so he... So this whole thing, all this stuff happens, and what's crazy is that his um, John the Baptist's mother Elizabeth was the was a cousin of Mary the mother of Jesus. So there's a there's a family connection between John the Baptist and Jesus, which comes into uh, definitely coming to play later. But the idea that there's a connection there, I thought was pretty crazy. So, um, but I, I remember learning about John the Baptist in Bible college, um, specifically having to preach a message about John the Baptist. And I didn't, nobody really gives him much thought because he's John the Baptist. He's the guy that eats, eats locusts and wild honey and wears the camel's hair outfit, right? Like he's the weird guy in the wilderness saying, repent for the kingdom of, of God is coming. And so, you know, he's, he's the weird guy. But there was something about him that just stood out. I was like, this guy, this guy's awesome. So um, not only was it his weirdness that captured me, but also his fireness. I broke the Christmas card the other day. Merry Christmas, you brood of vipers. I thought that's the funniest thing, and I don't know, I laugh at funny things, like seriously weird things, and that cracks me up every time I see it. Because there's a verse in Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, where he, he's talking to the religious leaders who are coming up, and they're wanting to get baptized by him. It's like the new thing. Hey, let's go get baptized now by this crazy guy named John. It was like some cool thing that they were doing. So these guys come down, and he said... Um, you Pharisees and Sadducees who were religious leaders coming for baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers. He's basically calling them out, like, you little snakes, what are you guys doing? Who warned you to flee the coming wrath? I was like, dang, this guy's awesome. I love him. And that's why I wanted to talk to him, because he's not messing around. And he knows exactly what he's supposed to do. Um, which is what I loved about him the most. He was focused. He knew exactly who he was and what he was supposed to do. So that's kind of what I want to talk about today is, what is your role? Okay, This is a question I ask myself all the time. Because growing up, I learned about Jesus from a baby. Okay, I remember going to my grandma's house, my grandma and grandma's house, and there were books about Jesus everywhere. Um, I remember reading all those. Some of them were really creepy. They had creepy art inside of them, like showing all the different Bible stories. And I don't know if any of you seen the real dark and kind of creepy. I don't know who they got to do this, but... Anyways, I was always enraptured by Jesus. There was something about him, but they just, they didn't want to let go of him. And I remember at, I think, eight, nine, I got saved at a BBS. Anybody been to BBS? Yeah, good times. Um, but I remember that feeling of, just there was something that came over me that I couldn't explain, and I just, something's different here. Um, it took a while for it to take hold, honestly. But after high school, um, it got a hold of me because I knew I knew that there was something there. There was, new, there was something I wanted to follow. And I knew that, I, that Jesus was going to be a part of my life somehow, but I didn't know how. 
how it's going to be. And I remember my grandma talking to me, uh, this was before I really got involved in church, not before I really wanted to get into ministry, but she would tell me I was going to be a preacher. I'm like, what? Why? No. I don't have any interest in doing that. No thanks. I'm standing here now, which is kind of crazy. But uh, eventually I went into youth ministry, was a youth pastor. Uh, I kind of dressed like one today, if you didn't notice. Um, <laughs> my shorts on and stuff. Um, but I, uh, I, I just always wanted to talk about Jesus so much. And I knew that was going to be something in my life, but I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like. Worked for a church for a few years and eventually landed here. Um, I currently don't work in ministry, but I do have these really good opportunities with Alex. Thank you, Alex. Uh, I got to hang out with some cool people um, and talk about Jesus. So um, I'm still learning exactly this, what I want to do. I know that I want to talk about Jesus, and I'm getting that opportunity today, which is awesome. But ultimately, you know, where my career is right now, that's not something that's happening. So I'm looking for that. That's my journey. And that's what I love so much about John the Baptist, is he knew that from an early, early age. He was raised because he knew exactly who he was going to be. And so um, I wanted to bring up a tweet here um, from a pastor that I really, really love in Richard Lotus. He's in New York City. Uh, but he says, John the Baptist is one of the few people in Scripture is one of my favorite people. And I was like, me too. This is what I wanted this moment to share this with me. He knew who he wasn't. I'm not the Messiah. And he knew who he was. I'm the voice in the wilderness. Every day I need to get clear in my soul who I am and who I am not. Otherwise I find myself living a life that God never called me to. And I was like, hey, that's it. When I was preparing for this, I, I had a few ideas of what I wanted to do. And what I'm talking to you about today was part of that. But I had to whittle it down a little bit because I, I tend to get out in the weeds and I tend to ramble as I'm doing right now. So, uh, but this, this, this tweet was the thing to kind of like, okay, this is really what you wanted to say. So I wanted to hit a few verses um, in John's gospel specifically that kind of highlight what John was really, really about. So in John chapter 1, verses 6 through 8, and I will be reading from the message version, I think it'll be up here on the screen. Uh, there was once a man, his name John, sent by God to point out the way to the lifeline. Jesus He came to show everyone where to look and who to believe in. John was not himself the light. He was there to show the way to the light. I love that. That, verse, that part of the verse specifically, that he knew he wasn't the light, but he was the point towards the light. Uh, the next verse is in John chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. When Jews from Jerusalem, Jerusalem sent a group of priests and officials to ask John who he was, he was completely honest. He didn't evade the question. He told the plain truth. I am not the Messiah. Those sent to question him were from the Pharisee party. Now they had a question of their own. If you're neither the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet, why do you baptize? John answered, I only baptize using water. A person you don't recognize has taken his stand in your midst. He comes after me, but he is not in second place to me. I'm not even worthy to hold his coat for him. They pressed him. Who then? Elijah? I am not. The prophet? No. Exasperated, they said, who then? We need an answer for those who sent us. Tell us something, anything about yourself. I'm thunder in the desert. Make the road straight for God. I'm doing what the prophet Isaiah preached. And then a couple of verses later, he carries on in the same line. The very next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and yelled out, Here he is, God's Passover man. I'm not going to yell because John's probably yelling at me. Um, he forgives the sins of the world. This is the man I've been talking about. The one who comes after me but is really ahead of me. 
I knew nothing about who he was, only this, that my task is meant to get Israel ready to recognize him as the God revealer. That is why I came here baptizing with water, giving you a good bath, and scrubbing sins from your life so that you can get a fresh start with God. John clenched his witness with this. I watched the spirit like a dove flying down out of the sky, making himself at home in him. I repeat, I know nothing about it except this. The one who authorized me to baptize with water told me, the one of whom you see the Spirit come down and stay, this one will baptize with the Holy Spirit. That's exactly what I saw happen, and I'm telling you, there's no question about it. This is the Son of God. And then finally, the last few verses I want to hit is in John chapter 3, verses 25 through 29. And this kind of is kind of the culmination of what I think represents John quite a bit. Um, they came to John and said, Rabbi, you know the one who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you authorized with your witness? Well, he's now competing with us. John's disciples are like, what's this Jesus guy doing? Still on all of our thunder. Well, he's baptizing too, and everyone's going to him instead of us. John answered, it's not possible for a person to succeed, I'm talking about eternal success, without heaven's help. You yourselves were there when I made it public that I was not the Messiah, but simply the one sent to head of him to get things ready. The one who gets the bride is, by definition, the bridegroom. And the bridegroom's friend is best man. That's me, John. In place at his side where he can hear every word, it is genuinely happy. How can he be jealous when he knows that the wedding is finished and the marriage is off to a good start? That's why my cup is running over. And this verse right here, I've got it underlined in bold because I think it's the key. And this was a verse that always stood out to me because I always felt like there were a lot of people that would be like, hey, look at me, you know. And I always felt like, man, you know, as somebody who's communicating about Jesus, it's not really about us, right? It's about who we're talking about. That's what's most important, not, not me staying up there. Like, you know, this stuff kind of makes me nervous, you know. Like, man, I'm really, I'm communicating about something that I understand, but... I'll never truly understand because it's so it's so you know big and, and God is hard to really pinpoint sometimes. But this is the verse. It says this is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip off to the sidelines. This is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip off to the sidelines. Jesus is the point, not John, not me, not any of us really. Ultimately, Jesus is the point. John knew exactly what his job was, to pave the way for the people to accept the one who was coming after him. John was first, but, you know, his job was to get everybody ready. He was a light in the wilderness. I love that. You know, like, right now, I feel like I sometimes am in that wilderness, you know? Like, I don't really know what to do. I don't know where I'm at. I'm just trying to figure my way around, figure out what exactly I want to do, what God would ask me to do. But his light was always pointing towards the coming Christ. John was less focused on himself and more about, hey, my job is to point to this guy that's coming. He knew his role and he lived in it. And, you know, this is really cool that I get this opportunity to speak with, you know, you guys and, and all that. And, you know, this is not going to happen every week because ultimately my job is elsewhere. You know, I have an actual job that I do that is interesting and fun and pays the bills. But ultimately, I know it's not my life's purpose, you know. Um, 
Um, and that's something I'm still trying to understand. But you know, while I don't have the opportunity every week to, to, to talk about Jesus, which I'd love to do, it's one of my favorite things. And I think at the deepest level, I know that's what I want to do, but I don't know exactly what that looks like. But um, there is this thing called the internet. Have you guys heard of it? And in fact, if you, if you use the internet, you can say whatever you want, right? As we know. It's crazy, right? You can say whatever you want with no consequences. Sometimes. Uh, <laughs> but there are things called podcasts. There are blogs. There are books. And I love all these things. I listen to podcasts all the time. I read books. Not as often as I should, but I like it. But I do it in some places. But um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the Enneagram, but I'm the Enneagram 9, which means I'm a peacemaker, which means I hate conflict. And sometimes whenever you have to speak out about Jesus specifically, there are so many competing ideas with Jesus, okay? Right? Like, there's even different perspectives about what it means to follow Jesus. And when you talk about Jesus from your perspective, you're going to get into conflict with somebody, right? Because they're going to be, you're an idiot if you're on Twitter or Facebook, you're I can't say it in church because it's so bad, right? Like, we go to the, the dark places. But I have all of these opportunities at my disposal. I just have to do it, right? And as an Enneagram 9, my deadly sin, as they call it, my, my problem area is laziness. They call it sloth, not theft. My, uh, my mass is sloth, which is perfect. I think that's why I like it so much. But, like, you know, it's really easy for me to, to look for other things to do that are not, you know, what I need to do, you know? Like, oh, look, I need to go clean the house. How about I just sit down instead, you know? Or, oh my gosh, I need to I need to pick up these toys for the kids, but why don't I just make them do it and I'll just sit down, you know? Like, <laughs> which, that's parenting, right? But um, I'm the king of procrastination, okay? That's that's my, I think that's my, I think that's my, um, my superpower is procrastination, honestly. But there are so many avenues for me to actually get out there and do what I want to do. That, that, that thing that inside of me just keeps wanting to come out, but I'm scared of what it means to do that. And that was what was so beautiful about the life of John the Baptist. He didn't care that he looked like a weirdo out there with his camel hair outfit, eating those weird bugs with honey. Like, who does that? John the Baptist does that. And guess what? He knew what his job was. He didn't care about anything else. He knew that I'm going to communicate about the coming Messiah, and I want you guys to get ready because this guy's going to do some things that I am not even capable of doing. And ultimately, that's his role, and he knew it, and I love that about his life, and I want to emulate that as much as possible. So whenever I preach a message like this, and any message that I've ever preached, 99.9% .9 of the time, I know it's just 100% of the time, I'm preaching to myself, honestly. I'm not preaching to other people. I'm preaching to myself, and I get the microphone and the camera, and I get to say to you guys, but ultimately it's because I, I'm inviting you in the journey that I'm on right now, and I think that that's important. You know, ultimately, my goal is not to point the fingers at myself, but to say, hey, I'm going along on this journey, you know, with me. So, the question, the big question is, what is your role? What is, the, what is the thing that you're here to do? I know that that is going to be different for every person, because everybody has their own fire inside of them, the thing that they, they get fired up. They literally, it fires them up, it gets them, their, their soul is on fire, thinking about, man, I can do this. You know, my wife is in education, and, and she's got a job now that she loves. Um, it's hard, you know, when you move from the Midwest to the, the big city life in Philly, you know, like, it's it's completely different. The education system is, is tougher here. You know, the, the poverty is tougher here. 
Um, there are so many factors that go into education, and my wife doesn't do that. She's in a great place, and that's why we moved here. And you know, ultimately, I get to, I get to be here with you guys. So you know, for me, it's an opportunity that I get to be here, and this is one of the things that I get to do that excites me. And um, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, and if we're wanting to live a life that reflects Jesus, and we got to do what Jesus asks of us, and this is for me. Okay, I'm saying this for me, and you guys can take it or leave it. You know, that's up to you guys. But ultimately, this is for me. If you want to join me, that's awesome. But Jesus is asking us to be generous. I'm not the most generous. I can be. Have my moments, but that's a lot. I got a lot of work to do in that department. To be loving. That's a tough one because there are some people that make it real tough. <laughs> Especially and sometimes inside your house because you're quarantined with them, right? Can't leave, can't do anything, so let's just stay home. Uh, being filled with compassion for others. That sometimes can be tough because empathy is a hard thing to sometimes to, to do, especially when you don't understand a life that somebody else is living. You know, when I when I look at the poor and the oppressed, I don't I don't understand that. I've lived a pretty comfortable life, minimal struggle. It's not been that difficult for me. So for me to empathize and to have compassion for those that don't live the life, haven't had the life that I've had, I've got to somehow connect with them. How can, how can I be of help? But also, how can I understand where you're coming from? And I have a long ways to go to live up to this, and I know that my life will always be tr trying to trust God and allowing the Holy Spirit to lead me in that direction to ultimately be more like Jesus. That's my goal. And life is not a graph going up and to the left, right? Most of the time it's like this, and it's this, and it's this. And it's, it's all over the place. It's a zigzag most of the time. We, we veer off the path, but God is always there waiting for us to come back. Not with judgment, but with love, compassion, and, you know, there's no, there's no condemnation. I love that. So I want to leave you with the question of what is your role? What do you think God is asking of you? How can you be the best version of the human you were created to be? And what steps do you need to get there? This is going to be different for all of us. This is a question that I ask myself all the time. As I'm doing my job at work, my mind is wandering in 35 different directions, but ultimately it's always coming down to how do I best represent Jesus to the people around me? Um, what can I do to get that message out in a different way that, you know, I thought I was going to do, but I'm ultimately coming to the conclusion that I want to do something different and figure that out. And, um, yeah, just, it's such a, it's such a cool opportunity that we get to live here. For me, it's weird thinking that I live in a completely different place and yet people are people. You know, people are complicated, messy creatures. All of us, every one of us, including me. Come to my house and want to find out what it's like to live in my house with my people. I love my people so much. My little, my little uh, Levi and Sadie, who we live in a two-bedroom apartment, and um, you'd think we live in a homestead somewhere. The noise that they make is insane. Uh, but the two-bedroom apartment and the people around us are from the Oh my gosh, this is a farm underneath. But, um, yeah, so think about that. You know, I, I know there are a lot of times that you need action steps, but I think in this, in this moment, contemplation and thinking and, and, and pondering and, and asking God, like, what it is 
that gets me fired up. And sometimes some people already know. They know the thing that gets them going. And sometimes we just need the, the courage to step out and just do it. Like me. So uh, I want to pray for you guys real fast. If the, if the band wants to come back, um, I'll uh, kind of close this off in prayer here, and then they can, I think they're going to do a song for us. Um, but thank you guys so much for um, inviting me, Alex Darby. Thank you guys for having me. You guys for listening to me ramble. Um, but I'm thankful for the opportunity. And uh, John Bass, cool dude, he's my favorite. So, anyways, we pray real fast, and then I'll let the band do their thing. Um, God, thank you so much um, for this for this idea, for this message that um, each of us has a role. Each of us has an opportunity to do something. Um, not only to represent you, but also, also to make a, an impact on the world around us. Even if the world is the few people around us that we work with, the few people in our family or friends, the few people that we can see legally these days. Um, but God, ultimately we are thankful that this time reminds us of Jesus. The reason that we're here, to learn about Jesus. To try to live like Jesus. To try to love like Jesus. Help us to do these things. Help us to understand what it is we're here to do. And uh, thank you for loving us so much that we get to be reminded of that in this season. That God is with us. Emmanuel. That Jesus is God in the flesh. And um, we have that to look up to. And look into the future, the hope that that brings us. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.